Women were talked over. Minorities aren't given credit. The wage gap, it's real. I could go on. And it's easy to think that if it hasn't happened to you, it's not your problem. But the thing is, men and majorities are critical in the fight for equality. So today we're asking, how can you, yes, you, make a positive difference as an advocate and a mentor in the workplace? Welcome to Figuring It Out, the podcast for millennials navigating life in our 20s and 30s. I'm your host, Melissa Guller, and each week we'll explore a new topic on relationships, work, lifestyle, and more. Every single professional woman I know has at least one story about being treated differently in the workplace because of her gender or ethnicity. I've personally been excluded from meetings, politely told that the opinions, aka math, I've brought to said meetings aren't welcome. And I've been forced to apologize for the way that I've spoken to a group because I dared to emulate strong, successful men around me. I don't bring these up to ask for sympathy because, in fact, I feel quite fortunate that I've been treated kindly for the majority of my career. But there are far too many women and minorities who are pushed aside, ignored, or unfairly paid because of their gender these days. So today we're here to explore just a few reasons why men in particular should care quite a bit about these issues and how small but intentional actions from all of us, men and women, can make significant differences in shaping the future of our workplace together. Today, we have two great guests back again to share their expertise with us. Now, if you missed them, Zephan and Christina joined us in the last episode and shared their best strategies and advice about negotiation. So if you're looking for a new job or hoping to negotiate a raise, I'd highly recommend it. But let's briefly reintroduce them here. Christina Banahansky is an e-commerce and digital marketing vet with over 10 years of experience at luxury and contemporary brands, including Sam Edelman, Anne Fontaine, and Temperley London. Christina previously served as the director of e-commerce and digital marketing at Untuck It, where she oversaw digital strategy, built a digital team of 15, and drove the growth of Untuck It revenue from 8 million in 2015 to 100 million in 2017. Now, as Rome Luggage's chief digital officer, Christina leads digital business and strategy, sales, marketing, and operational projects following the brand's recent launch in 2018. Zephan Fischel is the VP of sales at Content Square and loves coaching people to achieve results only possible as a high-performing team. He has spent the majority of his career scaling high-growth software companies and advising startups, and his expertise includes value selling, business operations, and people leadership. While leading sales teams is his primary job function by day, Zephan also enjoys sailing, traveling foreign countries by motorcycle, and competing in triathlons. So Christina and Zephan, welcome back. I thought we'd maybe start by asking, what are some of the common issues that you're noticing in the modern workplace today in 2018? You know, I'll start as a, as a woman, um, particularly women I, I, I see are just a little bit too modest. I think that it's there are two buckets of of professional women, and that's the the you know the bitch or somebody who's a little too timid or too modest. Um, I recently read or was listening to a podcast, and they cited um, 
a stat that 40% of men accept compliments from men, while 22% of women accept compliments from women. So if you kind of leverage that concept into into business, you know, it's it's okay to take credit. It's okay to to be proud of what you're contributing and, and really um, kind of build off of the the value that you're bringing whenever you have that, whenever you're getting the credit, accept it. To play off the other end of women maybe need to do a better job of owning the credit and taking credit, I feel like there's another side of this, Zevin, which is that often, unfortunately, in the workplace, women are not given credit. So how can men or women help make sure that people are given credit in the workplace? Yeah, this is a this is one that I personally feel very strongly about and I'm really passionate about. Um, I'm also very fortunate to have learned and been a part of organizations in my career past that are feel also very strongly about this. And it's by nature of having been in those companies I've been fortunate enough to be a part of. It takes leaders, regardless of gender, it takes leaders to stand up and make a stand. Uh, I think that's first, specifically men. Because the numbers that are like the numbers tell a clear story. And that story is a pretty ugly one when it comes to women in the workplace, uh, gender pay diversity, taking credit as pertains to this conversation and so forth. Leadership needs to stand up and take a stand on like this is what we're doing about it. Not just I hear you. Great. This is enjoyable conversation. I heard you and I'm going to move on. But this is what I'm going to do about it. I think an easy thing to a first step in that direction is approaching leadership, whomever that is, on what are we doing about this as an organization? And along with that, there's power in numbers. You're not alone in this. So find other um, peers in your organization. Those don't have to be a person who sits next to you. That doesn't have to be the person who does the same job as you. There's other people who care about those same issues as you do. And you can approach the conversation in a really valuable way with leadership. Hey, we think this is important for our ability to do our best work here. And we'd like to have a conversation with you about it. And these are the resources that we need. What are those resources are time, money, external training, and so forth. And I can talk specifically about some training and things that are helpful and some of the things that I've gone through personally that I would recommend for other organizations later. You know, and, and for males or leaders alike, it doesn't – it can start very small also. You know, it's it's listening. Just actually listen. You know, you have a seat. Female leaders have a seat or even, you know, manager level females have a seat at the table. And you can say, I've watched or have been personally um, experienced where I've been the person saying something. And then it's said in a very similar way by a male. And it's just like light bulb, that's a great idea. So you kind of have to, as as the woman sitting in that in that seat, or even as um as a male in maybe a managerial role where the or upper management takes the credit, um, kind of reflect all you can really do is reflect on how you're presenting it and continue to continue to repeat it. And, you know, don't assume that because you said it once that it was ignored or that it wasn't a great idea or that it wasn't well received. You know, keep kind of hammering away at it, but present it in a different way. You know, I always try to reflect on how I worded it. If I could have used maybe a little more jargon or a little less jargon. Um, I personally don't like that, but, you know, sometimes that, that perks up upper management's ears. So, you know, really find how, find your delivery. But as, as a male or as a leader, just listen. I mean, that is it point blank. That's so easy. Zephan, you're great for really make, wanting to make an impact. But if you're not quite in that don't have that opportunity, you know, just at least listen to the women around you or the, you know, the the people below you. I think you bring up a common scenario too, which is a woman will bring up a great idea, a man will repeat it in a very similar way and then be given credit. And to any man or woman listening, if you're in that meeting, something that you can do is say, 
yeah, I heard Christina say that earlier. I think that's a great idea. So as a listener in the room, you have more power than you think to give credit in the conversation or to bring other people into the conversation by asking them just what they think, because not everybody will naturally speak up. So you in the meeting have quite a bit of agency to really make an impact. You know, it's and it's it's most likely that you're proposing um, something that's going to help the rest of the team as well. So whenever you, you know, as cliche as it sounds, teamwork is so important. But if you're proposing something and 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 it kind of fell on deaf ears or, you know, you look to your ally because if they have your back, you're just that much more successful. So you kind of all have, you know, aligned priorities and it's going to contribute to the greater good, whether whether or not somebody gets credit. As a leader, I have felt very strongly about giving my team credit, not single-handedly um, pointing people out and giving them specific credit all the time, but really making sure that they kind of get their their moment in the sun. Um, but definitely, if you're, you know, you're aligned on, on what's going to be for the greater, what's going to work for the greater good, you don't necessarily have to take the credit for the idea. For the men listening, I hope you heard loud and clear, we got to do a better job uh, we have to do a better job specifically around listening authentically, really, really hearing everyone around the table, regardless of gender, specifically recognizing and listening to the women around the table and taking those moments and opportunities in group settings in the workplace to stop and pause and say, Melissa, that was a phenomenal idea. I really like specifically how you did X, Y, and Z in public forums. Christina, that idea you had last week, I would like to surface this with the team uh, because I think it's really powerful and I'd like to present this to the team. And when I when that meeting, when Christina presents, um, recognize, hey, team, Christina has this great idea I would like everyone to hear and get everyone's thoughts on. We have to do a better job, men, of recognizing those opportunities to simply level the playing field and uh, and improving the hideous numbers around around uh, the gender gap in all sorts of different categories. So speaking of giving credit, Stefan, I want to give you credit because I think you are a pretty rare example of somebody who is going out of your way to advocate for women, minorities, and really talk about this publicly. And I'm curious, how did you get to this point where you're so vocal and really wonderfully involved with being a champion for others in the workplace? That's a good question. Um, I've been really fortunate to have worked with companies in the past. I'm just going to name them because I'm giving them props. Um, and leaders who I've worked with that are very, very strong people managers. And we think heavily around uh, these topics because we understand the importance of them and the implications that it actually has on our business. That said, there's inherent selfishness in that answer. But I think it's actually true, and I can speak to more details about that. The, I've been fortunate to work with, with people that care about this stuff, um, but also I personally care. I come from an immigrant family. Uh, my family's not from here, at least my father's side is not from here. And I understand what it takes to kind of that, that equity and equality are really important things to have in life for everybody, regardless of where you were born, your socioeconomic background, or your gender or anything of that nature. Um, and that's really important for me in a leadership role now to recognize that and help close the gap. It's really, really hard to do. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to do. The companies that I've specifically worked for that I'd like to thank is Uyala, specifically under the guidance of Jay Fulcher, who's now the CEO of a company called Zenefits. And Jay Fulcher is a very well-respected, well-renowned CEO in Silicon Valley. And then secondly is a company I came from previously is Adroll. Um, that's headquartered in San Francisco under the leadership of 
Shiresh Khanna, uh, Amy LeBold, who is our head of people there, and Aaron Bell, who is the CEO for the majority of my time there. Something that you've brought up a couple times already is the fact that it's very easy to say, yes, that's a great idea. Yes, we should advocate for women. But the people who have had an influence on you are the people who are really taking action. And I've often said this, but I think that people don't listen to what leaders say. They do as leaders do. And it seems that you've been fortunate to have some leaders who have presented a really excellent example of how to advocate in the workplace. And what I'm hoping maybe is, I'll just go ahead and say it, you're the man in this room. Mm -hmm. So as the man in this conversation, what advice would you give to men listening about how to start being an advocate or an ally? Understand the importance of it that it has for you personally in your career. That's like, I understand the importance that it has for me in my career. I'm not going to get to where I, and I want to say this like kind of selfishly, but I know that like, talk about my incentives. Um, I know that I'm not going to get to where I want to go in my career unless I'm creating an equity and equality for everyone whom I work with for and around. Um, that involves people of all genders, of all races, of all religions, regardless of all of that stuff, um, is really, really important. And also from now in a leadership capacity where I'm responsible for hiring, training, and developing other people to be successful, my success in my career right now is highly contingent on me getting that right. If I'm only hiring people who look like me, who are who talk like me, who are clones of me, which is a very scary thought. Uh, that's I don't want that at all. It's so scary. <laughs> I limit and automatically exclude a massive talent pool, a massive talent pool of highly qualified, well-trained folks um, who can come with diverse thought to the table and to my team. I understand the value of diversity because I understand the impact that it has on me personally and professionally and the impact that it can have on the businesses that I help operate and run. Absolutely. And, you know, you're only as successful as the, the people that you hire. You know, Zephan touched on that. But check, you have to check the, your ego at the door and ass, not assume that you know a lot more than the person you're hiring or the person working for you. Because if if you did it right, you hired somebody that is a little bit more niche or, or specialized in a certain area, um, unless you would just hired a clone of yours, which you're doing wrong. So that person, you need to listen to that person, whether they're male or female, they should know more about what they're specifically doing than you. You know, I keep referencing um e-commerce or digital marketing, but specifically for a social media manager. When I was personally managing social, Twitter was king. You know, so many new platforms, it's just the digital world's evolving so much that you really have to lean on people who know a lot more about what's happening and how the landscapes are changing every day. And, and you can't do that if you're not listening or you can't do that if you're assuming you know you're the smartest person in the room. We joke a little bit about the clones, but imagine your own strengths, your own weaknesses. If you had a company just full of you, you're going to have quite a few blind spots. And I'm fortunate also to work for a company that really values diversity and inclusion. And we talk about it as a competitive business advantage. Like not only do we want to hire from a diverse pool because we want to give people an opportunity, but frankly, it's better for business to have diversity of thought and experiences. It's true. Uh, I think you hit on a, on a clear point. And it's concerning to me to hear when I speak with uh, senior leadership at other companies or go through interview processes myself where I'm at my own career, and I just spent a significant amount of time doing that, actually the last seven, the last six months actually, going through an interview process myself, it's concerning to me. It's actually a red flag for me 
if everybody looks and talks and, and is the same. Because I understand the, diverse, the, the importance and the value of diverse thought, of diverse background, of diverse experience. And for me personally, that's really, really important in the types of teams and the types of companies that I work for. And I would encourage everyone to ask those questions in the interview process as you go in your career and ask those questions around, how is diversity important to you? Hey, I noticed that I've been interviewed by all male on this, by all men on this interview panel. That's concerning to me. Do you guys, what do you guys think about that? There was a company two months ago that I interviewed for um, in Silicon Valley. It was a technology company. I work in tech. Um, and there was only two women who I interviewed with and everyone else was was white male. And I look at that and I'm like, mm, that's kind of a red flag for me. Um, I want a more diverse, diverse areas of thought and a more diverse team to build a really, really strong, uh, cohesive team together. Right. You know, it's it's really important to find your fit in your current or next role. Um, but I, I completely agree with Stefan. That's a that's a really big red flag whenever you are interv- interviewing. Um, and that that's particularly true in fashion and retail. You know, you kind of want to be embody the brand. And, and you know, now it's extended way beyond fashion or retail because everything's a brand in their own right, especially with social media for, you know, every company or um, avenue, news outlet, et cetera. Everything's kind of a brand now. So you kind of have to walk the walk. But, you know, find your specific fit within that and definitely look for for glaring red flags like everybody is is kind of a clone of themselves. I've, I've actually worked for a company like that. And Regardless of what I did at the company, everybody was one certain type of person, and it just really kind of can affect your over your entire psyche. Yeah, absolutely. Not only can it affect your well-being, but, and I can only speak from personal experience here, I've found that the company I worked for that had the most likeness, the most employees that were very like each other, was also the least successful. Mm -hmm. And so for me, at least, I've actually seen it in practice that the more diverse the workplace has been, the more successful the company has been. And I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, But that said, since we're talking about hiring, there is an interesting study I wanted to point out, which may or may not be familiar, where companies do gender-blind studies that consistently show that removing a gender from decisions, such as looking at a resume, would improve women's chances of success. So one study found that replacing a woman's name with a man's name on a resume improved the odds of getting hired by 61%. And I hear that and it's just terrifying. And so for anybody responsible for any part of the hiring process, are there any tips that we can offer to ensure that candidates are all being given a fair shot? Yeah, I hear that. Uh, first off, yes, uh, there are I have some ideas on some things and I can speak to specific examples of what I'm doing right now as I am hiring is my number one most important priority in my role that I'm in today. But I to, to, to pause real quick, that's a really concerning stat, Melissa, and it just makes me sad and I cringe and it's, oh, guys, we got to do a better job. Men out there, listeners. It takes us to like move the needle and uh, and solve these problems alongside women together. Uh, they're not alone. It takes us as a team supporting women together. Um, anyways, first leadership has to care and understand the value of diversity, both from gender, race, and religion, and all of that good stuff. Uh, that is important. The the your comment earlier around the previous company or the 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 impact that diversity has on successful companies 
should not be a secret. There's real numbers. I actually don't have them in front of me right now, but there's real numbers, real case studies that show and prove for all the men out there, they prove that more diverse teams, both in gender and race and everything else, leads to more success faster and stronger, healthier business results. The numbers prove it. I don't have any to speak to right now, but that's the that's the the meat that I want everyone to take away. Um, things to do is you have to recognize what the numbers are today and set a baseline. Part of the planning process that I'm personally going through right now is understanding what is the makeup of the current team, both from a gender and, and pay perspective of the team that I've just taken on and inherited. And then from my open headcount, how do I think about hiring the best people for those headcount, but also to build the strongest team based off the current people I have? I have four open headcount in the in the U.S., um, specifically on the West Coast, and I have uh, one of those headcount is going to be a senior leadership role. I am definitely and only going to hire a woman for that role. Only. I only want a woman sales leader. So if there's any women sales leader in the West Coast of California who have experience selling software, um, please get a hold of me um, because I want to talk to with you and see if you could be a good fit. That takes somebody who understands the importance of diversity. Now, I'm speaking very, very authentically here. Like it has to be women and it has to be um, uh, understand as a leader in my role now how many, the ratio of, of the ratio of genders and so forth to be able to know that I can't hire any more men in the role or else we're simply excluding women from every any, any future women candidates. You know, I actually had a challenge the other way, which is interesting. Um, I and, and I think this touches on a, a great example of a company that is seeing incredible success and the entire team has evolved to be incredibly diverse. The only common denominator on my team was that everybody was a team work, team player. So split, not evenly split, I had actually had more success hiring women. So every candidate I was getting, the stronger candidates were all women or even the, the pool of applications that I had for a male apparel company were female, where I was even asked, are you even interviewing men? <laughs> um, you know, so so women really shined even whenever I did had, have, have a great comparison. Um, but, you know, I built a team of 15 that was incredibly diverse, and the, the entire company is now about 40 to 50 or so people. It's seeing rapid growth, and it's incredibly diverse. So that's what one example, and I will state, will note the company is Untuck It, um, and they're seeing incredible growth um, and success. So that has to be part of why. I'll be honest and just talk about my own experience, too, in hiring. Something that I had to learn is that when you are interviewing somebody, you're looking for competencies. You're looking for specific skills or qualities that would help them in the job. But I think unless you're really intentional about that, it's easy to interview and see certain personality traits as signs of competence. And typically, I've seen this for me and for others, it's easy to assume you're looking for somebody like you because if you're doing a good job in the job, it's easy to say, okay, they have a personality like mine. I think they'd be a good fit too. But for anybody hiring, I think it's really important to figure out what those competencies and skills are so that when you go into interviews, you can separate and say, okay, this is a personality that's very different from mine, maybe an approach or an experience that's very different from mine, but they have the communication skills or the tool-based skills that would mean that they'd be a great fit for this job. Yeah, I'm also you took a you have a very very strong point there and something that is important for any hiring manager regardless of gender to consider and think about and going back to my fortunate experiences at some of the really strong companies I've worked with that think about this is something called unconscious bias training 
Um, I've been fortunate enough to have afforded to work at companies that do these types of things to help us surface where we may be having unconscious bias uh, in the interview process uh, with candidates or simply like in the workplace in general, right? A um, lot of companies, that's not even a thought, right? It should be for every company, every CEO, every executive, every people leader out there is how can I be more aware about where I may be having unconscious bias in the workplace, especially when it comes to hiring. Uh, some easy resources there that I've used per- personally to make sure that I get better in this area is uh, that are free and available is Facebook does a great job of this. And Facebook actually has publicly available on their website something called the Facebook Managing Bias Training. And I recommend anyone go out and any people leader, any hiring manager, go and, and, and take that training content. Um, it's actually a few videos that they have as part of their internal programs that they post publicly available. Uh, another resource for folks listening is called Project Include. That goes into um, some things around also ethnic diversity beyond gender diversity as well and some ways that you can educate yourself, educate your organization, and everyone on the interview panel on ways to make sure that you're removing as much bias as possible, conscious or unconscious, from the interview process. Related to the topic of these biases, and that's such an excellent training resource, I'll make sure they're linked in the show notes so anybody can go check those out. There's another similar concept I've heard of called the likability penalty, which says that women are more likely to receive feedback that they are intimidating or too aggressive or bossy when they negotiated or when they're in meetings, where men who have those same qualities are seen as very successful and very likable. I'm curious, have either of you either seen that or come across it personally in the workplace? Absolutely. I mean, you come across it every day. I think, um, you know, it's predominantly perception. um, And there's not much you can do to change that other than kind of be a little bit um, self-aware in how you're presenting yourself or present or approaching matters. So, you know, I hate to say this, but always make sure as a woman, always make sure that your emotion is checked at the door. Um, don't give them any opportunity to say that you're being defensive or, you know, you, you're showing your emotion. And then whenever you do have to be a little bit more of an authoritative leader, um, make sure that it just kind of be as reflective as possible on, on how you're presenting yourself so that it is absolutely not anything that you're presenting. Um, I don't think that you can really control the perception of, of anyone else. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, Christina. I think my take is this. I... I look for levels of alignment when hiring folks around what's most important to them at this phase of their career. In fact, actually, that's my first interview question. What's most important to you at this point in your career? What do you want to learn next? What knowledge, information, and experience do you want to get at as you think about uh, your career path? And I look and I say, like, look, I'm looking at the levels of alignment. Can this role, can this organization that that you may work at provide you that? And if not, it's probably not the right organization despite it being good. Um, And it's really important for you to share that, what's important to you in those conversations and clearly and openly communicate that. I personally don't think you lose any power at all by sharing and openly communicating what's most important to you at this phase of your career and being really open with that. I'll also add that being authentic is really, really important. I actually think that I like folks lose credibility with me in the interview or with anyone. Actually, it's me personally. I don't really know. When folks try and put up a front and be somebody who they're not to a certain extent, 
be professional, be respectful, but be confident in who you are. I actually think it is a huge, huge strength around somebody's level of confidence is be bring your full, bring your authentic self. Now, what levels of emotion and what levels of of communication you express in that is uh, is variable and changes. But do not be afraid to be authentic and yourself so long as it pertains to the way that the organization works and the way that organization dresses in terms of dress code and all those things and nuances that go into it. But be your authentic self. And that actually exudes a lot of power and confidence. Definitely. And that, that takes it back to the likability factor. And, and you know, employers or hiring managers, they're looking, they're looking for somebody, they're doing the, the airplane test. Would you want to be stuck on an airplane with this person? So assuming you're, you're interviewing at the right place, or you're speaking to the right people, they aren't necessarily looking for a clone of themselves. They're looking for somebody that they can vibe with, that they can just work well together, that that personality and emotions won't play a part in how they'll manage their day to day. And um, I think minorities and women specifically can kind of try to fit in with the boys club, you know, go to the golf outings. Um, is I, you know, especially hear about this happening in finance and other industries um, and, and definitely tech. But, you know, find your kind of boys club angle. You know, how do you fit within the pie? Find your own fit in your own voice rather than, you know, just being another one of them because you never will be. Unfortunately, today, I think women and minorities have a few more choices. It's still imperfect. But if you walk into an interview and you are putting up some kind of front and trying to be in this boys club and that's very uncomfortable for you, well, if you get the job, you're going to have to continue putting up that front in order to fit in. So you're doing yourself a disservice by not being authentic. And instead, if you go in and you're very authentic, if the company chooses not to move forward with you, that's going to be their loss, but probably a benefit for you because you would have had a very hard time fitting in if they didn't have the same alignment, like you said earlier, Zephan. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point, and that's something that uh, is important for everyone to understand in their career. Again, regardless of what company you're in, regardless of what type of job that you do or what your career path is, is understand that for any job that you're that you want, you're looking for something more than just the paycheck. You're looking for how it solves for your lifestyle. Does this fit within my lifestyle? And if you're having to go to work every day and be somebody who you're not, that's going to get really uncomfortable really quickly. Be comfortable in who you are. You're great. You're, you're phenomenal at what you do. You understand the value of what you do. Now it's a, now it's part of your job and finding a finding your job or finding the people you work with is to find other people that see the value in you as you see it in you. It's really hard to think like that whenever you're in the moment and you you know you, depending on how for lack of a better word, desperate you are for a job. But I've absolutely seen that time and time again, that it's actually better that it didn't happen. Um, it's, it's like dating. You know, it's, 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 they, they saw the writing on the wall maybe a little sooner than you did or you weren't thinking about it. So absolutely reflect, bring that confidence to the table and reflect on if it's the right fit for you as well um, and that if it's a mutual fit. So speaking of mutual fit, we've talked about, you know, going out and finding your authentic self and really presenting that in interviews. But something else that maybe is more geared toward you, Zephan, is that it's important also to sponsor and to champion other women and minorities. So what's something that you can do to help other women and minorities really further their own careers? Yeah, um, it's simply being available and accessible to them. And more than just being available, openly communicate the importance of that. In not just to them as individuals, but to the group, to the entire organization, uh, to the entire office, to your entire team. 
and say like we have it's everyone's responsibility here to help build the strongest team here together. I need everyone's help to go and do that. And here's how we're here's the values that we're putting in place together as a team. Um, and here's what I find important. Diversity is important. Equality is important. Equity is important, regardless of gender or ethnic background. Um, I specifically go and will actively have take out take uh, women of color out to to coffee just to like even if they're not on my team, uh, even if they're not on my team in my last in my last organization, um, I was really proud of the diverse office that I was helped to to help build from from scratch. And in that, I would be asked as a more senior leader in that office um, by other women who were not in my org or not on my team to like, hey, can I get your ideas or input on this stuff? And every single time I was absolutely yes. But it takes more than being available or accessible to him or saying yes to those moments. It takes senior leadership, regardless of, of gender, who, who you are, senior leaders, men, I'm talking to you again, to actively go out and, 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 f- and force those conversations with women who are in more junior level roles and earlier on in their careers and show them proactively that you are available to them, that you are supportive of their role that they're in today and their careers to come. That is a first step that's easy. It takes no additional money. It takes a little bit more time. And it is simply in showing somebody and acknowledging that you care about them as people. It's so simple. And like you're saying, I want to just also credit your approach. I know you've texted me to ask, you know, how can I help you? It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't take a lot of time to do. But men and even women listening as well, you can take a very small step that could have a very large impact for somebody else. So as we start to wrap up, I'm going to ask each of you, what advice would you have for women and for men? So kind of both sides of this alliance that people can start using even as soon as tomorrow. So Christina, we'll start with you. I, I think one thing that women particularly do is take on way too much to kind of prove their prove themselves in the workforce um, or, you know, prove themselves in their role. So whenever you're split 15 per- when you're giving everything 15%, you know, you're spread way too thin and you're just not maximizing your efforts on specific specific roles or specific responsibilities. Um, so I think as hard as it is to really say no to tasks or taking on too much, um, delegate responsibility. Don't allow that and really control how you present that so that it's not perceived as your inability to handle the task, but so that it's perceived as basically there are 24 hours in the day and you have, I don't know, maximum 12, 10, 12 working hours, hopefully. Um, how can you kind of check off boxes on your list the best way to do that? And, and how do you achieve things at your best ability? Um, so really making sure that you're not taking on too much, but that you're presenting it in a manner that doesn't, that isn't perceived as you're unable to do it. I love to say no. I think of it as saying yes to doing a better job elsewhere. So I'll always say, oh, no, I don't know if I can take that project on because I'm working on this massive thing for the company. But, and then I'll offer a solution, I think somebody else would be a great fit and I'll name somebody specific. So I won't just say no. I'll try to give an alternative as well. See, I personally don't. And I've I've absolutely seen that as a major um, roadblock for myself in my career. And, and a major challenge that I have every day is, you know, expressing why it doesn't just take five minutes to complete this and why it's not the best use of my time. Definitely people pleaser and try to take on far too much. And then the fact that I took on all of these other tasks are not brought up later whenever something falls through the cracks or whenever something isn't performing up to standards. And I've absolutely seen males 
more specifically males, um, say, just say no. And and it's just a confident no. And, you know, their workload is full, and but so-and-so can handle it. And, you know, I definitely um, want to work towards that personally and, and advise that people, women specifically, do that. Zephan, how about you? Advice for maybe for both men and women if you feel comfortable? Yeah, sure. For the male, the male listeners specifically or any listeners who are in leadership roles who are responsible for managing people uh, and leading and coaching people, men specifically, we got to be more aware, self-aware. Start with that. Uh, just be aware of the behavior that you're exhibiting and, and leading by example. We spoke to this earlier. Melissa said it well that people don't just follow what you say. They follow how you act and how you behave on the everyday basis. They see how you communicate when things are going well. They listen to how you communicate in your tone of voice when things are not going well. Pay attention to that. Be aware. Specifically look for opportunities um, in the workplace to highlight women, that women's ideas. Highlight where there is bias, clear, conscious, or unconscious. Uh, and solve for that and call that out openly and say, this is no longer acceptable. It's not. It shouldn't be. Guys, the, like, the numbers speak for themselves. It's really, really clear that building diverse teams, if you're not doing that, you will be left behind. Your business will suffer. Whatever you're incentivized, money, reputation, ego, will suffer as a result of you building non-diverse teams. It's in your best interest to do so. So start caring. Start actually taking taking action on that rather than just having a conversation. Well said. Well, it seems like everybody listening can take even a small action and really take ownership over this, whether it's taking some of the trainings that Zevin mentioned that we'll link in the show notes or even just lending a more active ear listening and giving credit where credit is due. We can all do a small part to really advocate for each other. This week, as always, we have a try it out challenge or something small you can do on your own. But this week, although the task is small, the impact is huge. So first, I'd urge all of you to take the free unconscious bias training we have linked in the show notes at figuringitoutpodcast.com slash nine. Especially if you're in a hiring capacity, like a hiring manager role, knowledge is power. And separating out your biases from your objective candidate evaluations will not only help you diversify your team, but as we talked about, research shows that your team will be stronger and your business more successful because of that diversity. So I'd highly recommend it. Again, it's linked in the show notes at figuringitoutpodcast.com slash nine. But second, even if you aren't a hiring manager, I have an even easier challenge for you. Just start listening a little bit more. Listen in meetings and see if you can help give someone credit for their idea. Listen to what your peers are telling you about where they're struggling and offer to help. And once you listen, act. It's on you to make a difference. And although it seems small, it'll add up. I know it will. Thanks for joining us this week. You can see all of Zephan and Christina's information and links, plus links to all the other great trainings and resources we mentioned today in the show notes at figuringitoutpodcast.com slash nine. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll subscribe to Figuring It Out in your favorite podcast player, or you can sign up on our website at figuringitoutpodcast.com and we'll email you weekly episodes. Also, I've started collecting questions and upcoming episode ideas through my Instagram account at Melissa Guller. 
So if you'd like to help vote for upcoming episodes or contribute questions for our next few guests, you can check out my story highlights on Instagram at Melissa Guller, that's G-U-L-L-E-R, or you can send me a direct message anytime. I'd love to hear from you. I hope you enjoyed this episode about advocacy in the workplace with Christina Banahansky and Zephan Fischel. I'm Melissa Guller, and you've been listening to Figuring It Out. See you next week.